Amen. Our evangelist today, Brother, amen, Denny Hampshire. Praise the Lord, everybody. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. Thank you for your worship. It is such an honor to be here. This is a wonderful church. I love to see the old faces and some new faces. I give honor to Pastor and Sister Purdue. I say this every time I see them and the few times I've been here that they have no idea how much I love them. We would sit many times and I would have lunch with, with Brother Purdue and uh, he, he, he brought me through some hard times. And I cannot do enough in this lifetime to repay him for what he's done. And I just give him and Sister Purdue honor. Thank you so much for your friendship. And uh, I just love what I feel today. I've got about 10 messages flowing through my head right now. I can just piggyback off of what God has already been doing. But I have my wife with me. She's my best friend and I love her to death. And... Uh, past six months, seven months of our lives have been kind of uh, different, stress, awesome, amazing, however good, bad you want to put it. And within that time frame, my wife has done something that she's always wanted to do, but it took a situation to kind of get her going, and I'm so excited and proud of her. We've been helping a church in Michigan for several months that did not have music. And after a few times being up there, my wife had decided with a lot of prayer and fasting that she would learn how to play the piano. Now, if you're an adult, you understand it's hard to learn something. And she has sat for hours at our home and she has texted and called and talked to our pastor's wife who plays at our home church and she's talked with our oldest son who's taken lessons at Indiana Bible College and she's watched videos and listened and she's done all these things so she can be a piano player and worship leader at the church that we were helping out at. She is still learning but she is breaking some chains and getting over some fears She has been practicing and working, and she made the statement, asked if I'd want her to play and sing today, and I always want to hear her sing. She sounds like an angel. But uh, I'm just going to let her worship. She doesn't like singing in front of crowds, so she's going to sing to herself and play for herself. I just want you all to listen. Just worship with her today as she magnifies the Lord. already gave our our story the last few months and I'll be I'm like shaking up here so <laughs> pray for me but um, you know I do stand before you as a testimony and um, hopefully to encourage someone today but um, 
six to seven months ago, God really began to change me. And that was because, Pastor, I got out of the way. I got myself out of the way. Um, and I allowed God to change me. Um, you know, we had visited a church in March, and um, there was talks, you know, asking for us to possibly consider taking that church. Um, so we get, began to pray and fast. Um, I'm going to get emotional. In June, one of the hardest things that I've ever gone through happened when I lost my mother. And in that time of losing her, there were a lot of emotions. There were a lot of feelings. There were a lot of insecurities that began to flood into me that I had dealt with my entire life. And I knew God had a plan for us, and I knew that I had to fight through those things. And so I prayed, you know, um, and I rebuked it. Lord, I, re I rebuked this. You know, God has a plan. I need to be the person that he wants me to be, and he needs me to be. And so the Lord began to shift in my life again. And um, in October is when I really stepped out and decided, okay, I've got to learn how to play the piano. There's a need here, and I need to make myself available for that need. And um, I learned this song in a week. Um, only because I memorized it. So I'm still learning. I still don't know a lot about actually playing. But um, the Lord, you know, I told the Lord, I'm 41 years old. <laughs> Learning the piano at 41 is not an easy task. And I was like, it's going to have to be you. I cannot do this on my own. And God has done it. Um, I have a short list of songs that's growing, but he's done it. Um, you know, Life hits again, and things don't go as you planned. And, you know, here we are still trying to figure out what God had, has for us. But, you know, Pastor, when you were talking about last chance, that was my last chance, I believe. But God was saying it was time. It's time to get yourself out of the way and do what I've called you to do. So, you know, if you're dealing with something today that's holding you back, just know you've, you've got to remove yourself out of the way. And you got to allow God to have his way. And guess what? We're not worthy. We're not qualified. But through him, you know, he gives us the things that we need to get through. So just um, worship with me as I uh, attempt to play and sing this song. Like, I'm, I don't proclaim to be a pianist. Um, my, my husband is very kind when he says I'm a beautiful singer. But, you know, it's all for God. It's all to worship him. So I've had this confidence before. 
Come on, can we lift up our hands right now? Hallelujah, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Come on, we can't be afraid of church. We can't be afraid of God. We can't be afraid of worship. Come on, people are, some people aren't afraid to go to church, but they're afraid to lift up their hands. They're afraid to lift up their voices. It is not time to be afraid. This is not the time of the day or the hour that we need to be afraid of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the gospel that's going to save our souls. It's the gospel that's going to lead us to streets of gold and walking through the pearly gates. Now is not the time to be afraid. Come on, let's lift him up right now. Come on, let's give him a shout of praise. I will not be afraid of the gospel. I will not be afraid to stand up to the enemy. I will not be afraid to shout and let the gates of hell know they shall not prevail. The devil, you have no authority in here, and I'm not afraid to tell him. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Moving quickly, if you have your Bibles, and we'll turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 30. If you don't have your Bibles, look at the big Bible behind me. You'll see it. Amen, amen. It is, once again, it's such an honor to be here. Thank you, Pastor Purdue, Sister Purdue, for allowing us to be here today and worship with you folks. I just love what I feel every time I'm in this place, this beautiful building with beautiful people. And I pray for this church often, and uh, I'm waiting and, and just expecting God to do great things in 2023. This is a very familiar story. I got to thinking as we were sitting in Sunday school, last time I was here I preached about David, and this time I'll preach about David, but luckily David did a lot of things, and you, you can preach a lot about David and not preach the same thing. But his pastor was speaking what God had given him about this being your last chance. I'm going to help you out. Before we leave this service, he may have been speaking to you, but you can do what you need to do to get off that list. So let's just see what God's going to do today. Amen. First Samuel chapter 30, verses 1 through 6, and I'll get you set down. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag and smitten Ziglag and burned it with fire. And he had taken the women captives were therein and slew not any, neither great or small, but carried them away, and they went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. And David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captive, Ahinoam and Jerezetes, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal and Camarel. And David, the, David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people were grieved, many men for his sons and his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Amen. Today, for just a few minutes, with the help of the Lord and the help of this 
great sanctuary and this great congregation, I want to speak to us under this topic and this title, Pursue. Pursue. It makes sense here in just a minute. Can we lay down our Bibles? Lift up our hands one more time and just ask God to move. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We lift you up. Lord, I thank you for your presence in this place. We have felt you so strong. But God, I ask that you not pass us by. But God, that you just dwell in the praises of your people. Help me, God, to be a vessel meet for the master's use. God, give me words to speak for your church and your children, God. Give me the anointing that I need, God, to fulfill my role today in this service, God. Open up our hearts and minds to receive the word and take it to heart, God. And then we just allow you to do what, God, you want to do. And that is be our God. God, speak to us. Touch our hearts and our minds today. And we give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, if you're going to help me preach, give me a hand clap of praise. Amen. You can't be seated. Thank you for standing and worshiping with us. As the men journeyed back home, they wanted nothing more than to go home and see their families, to hug their wives, play with their children, maybe get a good dinner and a good night's sleep. But as they came over the horizon, they could see smoke coming from the direction of the camp, excited just thinking about the dinners that their wives were making for them. Excited just to be able to sit down and celebrate what God was doing. But I believe that suddenly they started, their countenance started to change as they started to realize that the fire, the smoke that they were seeing from a distance was greater than any fire that was made for cooking. As they drew closer to Ziglag, their home, Normally, they would hear children screaming and laughing and shouting, dogs and animals running around, but there was an eeriness of silence as they came over and drew closer. They couldn't hear the children laughing. They couldn't hear any dogs barking, any animals making their noise, no cattle, no pig pens, no, no sounds of life that was going on. And then they drew closer and closer and they could see all of a sudden the rubble of what used to be homes and stables. The men, terrified, scared to death, started looking and possibly screaming out for their wives and for their children. Worried they have, may have been killed, maybe they were inside the homes. All of a sudden they went from excitement to being home to being terrified that their whole world had crumbled around them. They didn't know what to do. They were running from Hubble to heap of, of wood and stone. Looking at what used to be their home is now a big fire pit. The Bible tells us that the men wept with all of their heart until they had no more strength to weep. No doubt seeking God. No doubt crying out, asking him why this was happening. God, we are your people. We are your soldiers, your army. We are your children. Why would you allow this to happen? Why would you cause my wife and children to be taken? Why would you allow my home to be burnt to the ground and my whole life destroyed? After that, they were anger. They started blaming David, speaking of stoning him. 
It was David's fault. God, why would you put a man in charge that would make this great mistake? See, David had all of his men, all of his the guys with him as they were trying to go with the Philistines. Now, I know you're going to say that's crazy. But in the chapter before, chapter 29, you will find that David tried to team up with the Philistine army as they were going after Saul. For at this time, Saul was going after David. And there's the old saying that an enemy of my enemy is a friend. And David had all of his men ready to go to battle, to go to war and fight Saul. But while they were going to the Philistine army and they were going to the camp to find out if they would accept them and allow them to go into battle, the Amalekites came through and took everybody that had value. They took the children and they took the wives. They took the animals. They burnt down the homes and they destroyed the area, the encampment that David had. And that was everything that David and his men had. They were gone. But when David stood there and he stood at the rubble of his own home and he realized that his wives and his children were taken like everyone else's, the Bible said that he had to encourage himself in the Lord. While everyone around him was talking doom and gloom and destruction, while everyone around him was talking about stoning David, David had nobody he could lean upon. He had nobody he could turn to. He had no friendly ear to say, hey, man, I, I know you're having a bad day. I'm having a bad day. Let's, let's just kind of get over this and talk about it. David was all by himself. He had no one to turn to except God. David did not bow down to fear, but he realized it was time to be faithful. 1 Samuel 37 and 8, if you follow through, says, And David said unto Apathur, the priest, the Amalekite's son, I pray thee, bring me thither the ephod. And Abathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Come on, the word of God is a lot more important than the word of this world. We need to stop listening to social media. We need to stop listening to the unbelievers. We need to stop listening to false doctrine. We need to stop listening to those that are preaching false religion. The word of God is greater than what the voice of this world could ever give us. The voices around David was, I'm going to kill David. The voice around David was, David was a failure. The voice around David was, David made me lose everything that I had. It's David's fault. David was wrong. David is bad. David is not good. But the voice of the Lord said, you need to go after them. Because not only will you pursue them, but you will recover them. We need to get today to listen to the voice of God in our lives. We cannot gloss over what David did in verse 8. David, with the questioning, already had it in his mind that he wanted to go after his family and the women and children. His questions was, should I pursue? Shall I overtake them? David had it set in his heart to go after his wife and his children. But he did not do what he thought was best until he spoke to God. 
Outreach is great. Witnessing is great. And even though it is the right thing to do, I believe that we still need to pursue God. If David, and I believe this, if your pastor can overturn me or whatever when he takes me out to lunch afterwards, I believe with all of my heart that if David would have just grabbed his sword and grabbed his men, that he would not have recovered. But David desired the voice of God in his life. And God said, pursue. He knew what I wanted. He, David said, I know what I want to do, but I want to make sure that's what God wants me to do. See, David didn't get discouraged. He got determined. And when you get determined to do what God wants you to do, God will give you the power to pursue. Come on, I know this church wants to have revival. I know this church wants to fill every empty seat in this sanctuary. But we got to pursue the words of God long before we breathe to go and prefer the people. We got to seek God first. We got to go after what God wants first. To pursue is to follow after, to catch or attack. If you allow me to put it in my own definition, to pursue is to go after with a purpose. David had a purpose to go. We must understand that David was a king. He had many wives and many concubines at the time, and it was common at that time for men to have multiple wives of multiple women. But we must understand in this situation that the value of the women and children of David and the men the wives, if you go back to, day, back to Adam and Eve, as God commanded them to go forth and multiply, the wives were to multiply. I'm not going to go into detail. You all understand. And the children represent the next generation. But before David could grow his family anymore, he had to restore his family. Before the church can have revival and grow, there has to be restoration in the church. God has to put together what was broken apart. God has to put back together what has been separated by the world. You can't fill these seats until you're made whole. The family was not made whole because David was not with his wife. The David was not made whole because he was not with his children. He had to pursue it, but he had to go after what God said. If this church is going to have revival, if you want to get off that list of being the last chance, you got to pursue what God wants you to pursue. The Bible tells us that he would give as is needed and what is handled. We can't pray, and I've heard pastors tell you, you can't pray for a hundred members soul, a soul revival if you can't handle ten new people. What God was telling David is, I want you to restore your family. Because when the husband and wife gets together and they get on the same page, they can multiply the family. And when the church gets together and they get on the same page with God, they can start multiplying the church. But you can't do that until the church and God get on the same page. So church, you've got to pursue after God and get what God wants for the church. 
And if we continue on, in 9 and 10, it says, David went, he and 600 men that were with him, and came to the brook Bezor, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued. He and 400 men, for 200 abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Bezor. It is important that we keep going on. It doesn't matter how many people has given up. It doesn't matter how many people have stopped pursuing God. We got to pursue after him. Maybe there's going to be a time that you're the only one. You're the only one going after God. You're the only one going after what God wants. But I'm here to encourage you to keep going, to keep walking after God, keep pursuing after God. Because when you pursue after God, you will find him. David was undermatched with the 600 men. David was, was a low man. He was outnumbered. And they get to the brook. And there was 200 men that said, I'm too tired to keep going. I think I've gone far enough, but I can't go any further. And all of a sudden, he's down to 400 men. That sounds like a lot. But when you're facing an army of thousands, 400 is not a lot. But if you know your Bible, you know that God can do much with little. That's Gideon. God can do so much with so little as long as you are faithful. As long as you're willing to pursue the things of God. As long as you're willing to go after what he wants you to go after. David didn't want to go after the gold or silver that was taken. He didn't want to go after the animals that were taken. But he said, I need to pursue my wife and my children. I need to pursue the women and the children because we got to multiply these people. we got to make sure the next generation is saved and the generation that comes after them is taken care of. you got to wonder, what am I praying for? Are you going after the things that God wants you to go after or are you going after the things that you want to go after? Are, are you worried about things that you're concerned about uh, without even getting in the presence of God and finding out what is he worried about? Come on, we got to pursue the things of God. Because when you speak to God first, I've been on this kick that God has convicted me. I preached the same thing, pretty much the same thing last week. But I understand what the church needs. And I know what the church is meant for. But we must first get in the presence of God and have his anointing and have his word over our life. We have to worry about what, God, what do you want from us? You want a full building that sets 300 or 400 members and you want to be a part of a large church. But listen, if you don't have this the saints that are willing to help out those who are lost and struggling. If you don't have a youth group that is willing to work with those that come in off the streets that have been in a broken home and broken life and dealing with drugs and alcohol, God ain't going to send you those people if you were not ready for it. I'm preaching to the church right now. If you're a visitor, God bless you. You're in a safe place, and you need to be in heritage right now because you're in a house full of people that love God. But I'm preaching to the church right now. I'm preaching to the saints right now. What are you doing to pursue after God? Are you seeking his word? Are you seeking his anointing? Are you seeking his way? Or are you going after what you want and what you feel like? If you ain't a singer, stop praying. They got to put you on the praise team. Just ask God, God, what can I do for you? God, what can I do in pursuit of your worthiness and your holiness? We must 
understand that we are going to be in a large city, maybe the only church that preaches truth, but we must keep pursuing after truth. You may be the only one in your family that goes to an apostolic church. Keep going to an apostolic church. Don't give up on the standards of holiness. Don't give up on the Acts 238 message of salvation. For there is no other way given among men whereby we must be saved. Keep going. Keep pursuing. He got in the presence of God. David prayed, God. Shall I pursue after my wife and children? Shall I pursue after those that have been taken from me? Shall I pursue after those that have been lost? And God said, pursue. We got to get his, we got to get his permission. Because I believe when we get his word, that it doesn't matter what we do, we will be successful. I don't believe that if he says pursue, he's going to allow us to fail. He's not going to take you someplace and tell you to do something to allow you to become a failure. He's going to bring victory if you pursue after him. So I encourage you right now to keep walking with God. I I pray that you will pursue everything that God is doing. I pray that you'll pursue after God, that you'll continue to pursue holiness, that you'll continue to pursue righteousness, that you will pursue the lost and even pursue after the prodigals because there are lost and dying people in this world that they need to get into the house of God and they need to get back in the house of God to get right with God. But we must be willing to pursue after God and then go after them because we must understand David could have been like the other men. David could have bowed down, weeping. The Bible says he was in distress, that he was distressed. He wasn't happy his wife and children were taken. He wasn't happy that people walked out or left. He wasn't happy that the enemy came in when they were gone and and stole everything that he had built up with God's help. He was distressed. But instead of, oh, woe is me, what am I going to do? Or even, woe is me, God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? He was encouraged because he said, I know if God is with me in the hard times that he's going to bring me out of it. That if God never slumbers or sleeps, that God is with me always. That if he sticketh closer than a brother, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my joy and my strength. That if I call upon the name of the Lord, he will be my strong tower. David knew that all he had to do in the good times and even in the bad times when he was down and out was call upon the name of the Lord God and God would be there for him and God would help him do his test and trial. And there we go, God said, pursue. I'm telling the church, God sent me by here to tell each and every one of you to pursue after God. Pursue God. Pursue God. And he will tell you what to do. We got to stop doing what we want. We got to stop doing what we think is right. We need to get in the presence of God and allow him to tell us what to do. I don't preach what I want to preach. I wanted to come here and have everybody swinging off the chandeliers. I wanted to preach one of the messages about 10 minutes into it. I could lay my microphone, walk down over there and just shout. But God gave me this. I got to be obedient. Because I got to do what God wants me to do. Because when I do what I want to do, I have fallen flat on my face at times. It took me a lot of years to understand God's know, God knows more than I do about church. Early on, Pastor, my, 
Well, I'd get the jumpingest message. My God, pastor's going to run out in the middle of the street and dance when I preach this message. And I get up hooping and hollering, spitting and slobbering. All of a sudden, the pastor's half asleep. Not, in, not just the kids on their phone, but the parents are on the phone playing their video games. I've preached so bad at times I wanted to put my microphone down during my message and just walk out. So I know what it's like to do what you think is right. But when I finally got to the ideal, got a little smart, that maybe I should pursue God. And God, what do you want me to say to these people? God, what do you want me to preach to this church? God, what do you want me to say to this person when I go to witness? What do you want me to say to this person when I go do a Bible study? What do you want me to say to this person when I talk to them on the phone? God, what do you want me to say to them in a, in a text message? Guess what? You can pray over a text message. I'm trying to help somebody out right now. Because when you pursue after God, that's what David did. He didn't pursue his own mind. He didn't pursue his own thoughts. He said, I want to know what God wants me to do. He had an ideal of what he wanted to do, but what if God would have said, no, leave him. I've got something better for you. That would have been hard to take. But you never know what God's going to say. I don't know if this is being live or not. I don't know, but you know what? There was a time I thought I'd be in Michigan right now. You talk about heartache? Mm -hmm. I knew it. 100%. I'd be coming to Indiana to visit. God had other plans. Pursued after God what he wanted. Still don't understand it. Maybe God will reveal it to us in, in his time. But when you pursue after God, God will give you the direction. He knows more than what you know. He is the beginning and the end. Guess what? You know you're now. You know you're passing your now. You don't know the ending, but God does. We must follow after him. David didn't know beforehand, okay, God, should I go after them? He had it in his heart that he was going to go after his wife, but he didn't know the end result. David may have had the greatest intentions of going after his wife and children and everybody else's wives and children to get them back. But if David goes on his own, he goes with the uncertainty if, either, if he's going to get there or if he's going to die. But when God said, pursue them, you will not only get them back, you will recover all. He knew without a shadow of a doubt. Come on, you want to have a revival that there's no shadow of a doubt you're having a revival? Get in the presence of God and let him speak revival to the church. Let him speak growth to the church. Let him speak restoration to the church. Let God speak redemption to the church. Because when God speaks, the devil can't stop it. David struggled at times. He lost some men at times. But the Bible says that he did not stop. David pursued. And when you get down to verse 18 and 19, it tells us that David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives, and there was none lacking uh, to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, nor spoils, nor anything that he had taken from them. David recovered all. He asked God for the wives and children. Follow me. He asked... 
He didn't say, I want the animals. He didn't say, I wanted the gold and silver. He said, God, I want my wives and children. Can I pursue? He said, go after them and you'll recover all. So here's the blessings of God, Pastor. He prayed for the wives and children, and when they got to the camp, he not only overtook the enemy and destroyed the enemy, he got his wives back, he got the children back, he got the wives and children of those that didn't follow after David. Come on, I'm stacking up to greater things here. Because even those that said, I can't go any further, he got their wives and children back. Those that didn't take one step with David, he got their wives and children back. But not only that, he got the spoils. He got the silver and gold. He got the animals that were taken. I'm telling you, when you pursue God, he will not only give you what you ask for. And I'm not a prosperity preacher by no means. But I'm talking about when you pray and seek the face of God, he'll give you what you ask for and he'll provide for you more. When you get in the presence of God and you can say, God, bring me one family, he'll bring you five. I'm not, I'm not here preaching. If you give me a dollar, God's going to give you a hundred. I'm not, I'm, get that out of your mind. But I'm telling you, when you pursue after God and you go after what God tells you to do and you follow the words of God and the following of God and you pursue what God wants you to pursue, not only will you recover what you are going after, but he will multiply And he will give you a greater reward than what even you could ask for. Some of you right now, if I was to say, I want you to picture somebody, you would picture a family member, a co-worker that you've been working for and working with for so long to get them into church. You've said everything. You've given all the scriptures. You've quoted the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, but there's something that is not happening to get that, the trigger in their mind to get them to church. I'm asking you right now, Pursue God. Pursue God. Don't pursue. Please understand this. Don't pursue the scriptures. Pursue God. When you pursue God, you'll get everything in the scriptures. When you pursue after God, you'll get every, every word, every line in the scriptures. See, when you pursue after God, you get the fullness of God. We want bits and pieces of God. We want the miracles of God. We want the healing power of God. But we must understand when we get God, we get all that. When you pursue after God, you get the total package of God. Stop seeking bits and pieces of God, but pursue after God in his entirety because you'll get everything. You'll get his holiness. You'll get his righteousness. You'll get his blessings. You'll get his anointing. He'll get his healing power and virtue. You'll get the power to tread on serpents. You'll get the power to break the chains of depression, anxiety, fear, and doubt. All of these things will be added unto you when you pursue after God. David didn't lack anything. God gave him more than he asked for because he pursued God first. Brother, he didn't get halfway down the road. He didn't get to the brook and lose 200 men and then prayed. He didn't get just outside of the Amalekites' camp and said, Oh, God, what am I going to do now? The first thing that David did was seek after God. 
came to, to encourage somebody right now. If you'll stand with me, music, if you'll come. When you pursue after God, and you allow it to be the first thing you do, God can do so much more. I'm going to speak of me. Because there's many times that I've pursued after God after I've done something. And God has to take his time to fix what I have messed up. I was speaking with our, our uh, youth group Wednesday night. I was asked to cover for the youth group, and there's some kids in there. and Some of them are getting ready to head off to college this fall, and some of them are juniors and freshmen or sophomores in high school. And I got to tell them about my, my story. I don't hide my story. But I get to, I get to talking about when I, was a, when I was a kid, I wasn't involved in church. I wasn't. I came to church because I had to. My mom and dad drug me to church. My youth group was me, my sister, my three cousins. They were all girls. Guess who I'd like to hang out with? They have an uncle. He was a few years older than I was, but he was only there half the time. I didn't connect with anybody. So when it was, I got out on my own, I couldn't wait to leave. Left the church when I was 17, got back in when I was 22. God blessed me over that time because I met my wife in that time. She helped me out. Because I actually found somebody I cared for and they cared for me and they got me away from some people and some things and some drugs and all that. I thank God for her. Got back in church when I was in uh, 2002, August, got baptized. Six weeks later, got filled with the Holy Ghost. That October, God called me into the ministry. Just, just cleared just over 20 years in the ministry. But you know what, Pastor? If I'd have stayed in church all them years, and I pursued God and not friends, pursued after God and not girlfriends, I don't lose seven years of my ministry. I'll be 44 in March. I have buddies that have been pastoring for over 15 years. Maybe I'm a pastor by now. Maybe I'm a missionary around the world by now. Maybe I'm the world's greatest evangelist. Probably not, but you know. And I was telling these young people in class, I've got some funny stories I can tell you of my partying days. But my greatest regret is that I walked away from God. Because I forfeited some things. And I put myself behind the eight ball on some things in my ministry that God. See, God has a plan for each and every one of us. You may never stand on the pulpit. You may never stand on this platform. But God has a ministry for each and every one of you, whether you're eight or 80. But when you seek after what you want, and I know mine's extreme. I wasn't seeking after God going into the bars. But when you seek after God, God can do so many things with you that man cannot stop. When you pursue after God, he will give you the vision and he'll give you the calling to pursue. But you must get to him first.
Even though you do what you think you want to do and you might think it's the right thing to do for the church. Outreach is an absolute must. Bible studies is a must. Reaching lost souls is a must. But I believe that we need as a church to get, in, get into the presence of God first. We go to God when we need a financial blessing. We go to God when we need a healing. And I believe we need to go to God and say, God, what do we need to do for the church? As his altars are open, Luke 11, 9 and 10, I didn't give him these. He says, I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth. And everything that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be open. I'm not talking about today, you can get your lottery numbers and become a millionaire tomorrow. But I am talking about this church going into a season of revival. You know what these empty chairs represent? A lost soul. You've got people you can bring and fill these seats. It is our job to bring souls in to help them find God. But we can get so busy doing the work of the Lord that we get too busy for God. I'm not condemning you or getting on you for doing what you do. But I just came to encourage somebody today. To pursue God. Because you just heard over the last few minutes that God will allow you to recover everything you seek. And even greater things. This church is ready for revival. What are you going to do for your part? Pastor can pray every day, all day for revival in the church. But it takes more than just the pastor. These altars are open today. I don't ask you, I don't want you to come up and say, God, heal my body. God, touch my mind. God, I don't, none of that, please. But if you're a church that is serious to reach the lost and dying, you've got loved ones, you've got coworkers that need to be, that need to be rescued from this world and the enemy. Your prayer needs to be, shall I pursue and let God speak to you. Shall I go and let God speak to you? The Lord's work is greater than our work. The Lord's ways are higher than our ways. So we need to find a place, church. I'm, I'm, now is no better time to seek the face of God and pursue after what God wants and allow God to minister and provide the way. In the name of Jesus, God, we stand before you right now, God, as a humble church, as a humbled, humbled saints, God, seeking your direction and your guidance, God. God, just as David, we desire to go and, and, and recover those that have been taken by this world. But, God, we need you first and foremost. 
For without your word, without your protection and your calling, God, we will surely fail. God, we have the the right intentions, God. But God, we need you. God, we need you more than we need anything, God.